Now bree, he said. You poor, proud, frightened horse, draw near. Nearer still, my son. Do not dare not to dare. Touch me. Smell me. Here are my paws. Here is my tail. These are my whiskers. I am a true beast. Aslan, said Bree in a shaken voice. I'm afraid I must be rather a fool. Happy the horse who knows that while he is still young. Or the human either. Draw near, Erevis, my daughter. See, my paws are velveted. You will not be torn this time. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we are doing a chapter-by-chapter chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Kel. And I'm Chase. And thank you for joining us today. Just a reminder that today we're going to be talking about the third book in the series, The Horse and His Boy, the general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we'll probably end up going on to tangents to do other stories and other pieces of fiction and life that we enjoy talking about. So we'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we're going to be discussing chapter 14 of The Horse and His Boy, how Bree became a wiser horse. Did he, though? I don't think he, I don't think he did. I, I, this is another case of C.S. Lewis just not being a great, like, title namer. Maybe just a not great namer in general. Maybe C.S. Lewis is the kind of Christian that names it and claims it, but then doesn't do anything at all to try to get there. This makes sense. This tracks. But uh, with the naming of things, Chase, can you, uh, you know, give us a summary of all the names and the words that happen in this chapter? Yeah, I'll just uh, briefly tell you every name listed in the chapter, and then we can move on. Can um, you briefly name all Shasta. The oh, wait. No, not his name anymore. No, it's okay. Like... <laughs> his name is Psych now. That would be better. Uh, all right, chapter summary. The hermit uh, that they were chilling with is finally able to see Shasta get up uninjured and tells the gang how affectionately he's welcomed by King Loon. And then... They hang out, and the next morning, Erevis and the horses have to meet up and discuss their plans. Erevis wants to go on to see Shasta and go on to Narnia. Quinn agrees, but Bree, cautious not to rush things, reveals that he is nervous to return to his country before his tail has regrown, because God forbid that anyone see him with half a tail. Quinn and Erevis make fun of him, but then Erevis stops to ask why Bree always swears by the lion, because Bree was doing a lot of swearing. Um, Bree explains that he is referring to Aslan and begins to explain his incorrect understanding in a super superior tone, how Aslan couldn't possibly be a real lion, only a metaphorical lion. And as he does this, an enormous actual lion enters the courtyard behind him, and when Bree becomes aware of him, he bolts away in fear. Quinn exclaims, how beautiful the lion is, and says that she would rather be eaten by him than fed by anyone else. Aslan responds that he knew that she would be quick to turn to him and that joy will be hers. Aslan then calls Bree over to see and touch and learn that he is a true beast. Bree says that he's a fool, and Aslan says it's good to learn that young. He then turns to Erebus and says he is the only lion they met on their journey and that he is the one who cut her. It's because that those were the same wounds that the servant girl received for Erevis having drugged her and left her to her stepmother. Then she needed to know how it felt. Aslan left, and they all spent time alone with their thoughts, thinking about their encounters with him. And then at dinner time, they heard a loud trumpet. It's Prince Shasta, I mean Kor. It's Prince Kor of Archenland, who's there to see Lady Erevis. They bowed to each other, and then Erevis realized, oh my gosh, it's Shasta. Uh, Shasta explains that King Loon is his father, Corin is his brother, and his name is Kor now, because that's how brothers' names work in Archenland for some reason. Erevis apologizes for treating him badly before she knew he was a prince, and they acknowledge their experiences with Aslan. And then Erevis asks about the battle in King Loon. And Shasta slash Kor explains that the battle wasn't like he thought it would be, but his father is great, even though he's going to have to start doing school and stuff. 
He then went on to explain how he and Corin were separated at birth after a prophet centaur said that Kor would save Archenland, and then a Calorman spy kidnapped him to try to keep it from happening, and then all that led to Kor washing ashore, where he was found by a fisherman, and now he has fulfilled that prophecy after all. Kor then revealed that King Loon had invited Erebus to be a lady at the court, since there weren't any at the moment, and so Erebus quickly agreed. They then go to get the horses, and Bree goes back to worrying whether or not he'll be weird for wanting to roll in the grass of Narnia, and then he goes nervously with Kor and the gang to the castle. Guys, I just want I want y'all to know how impressed I am that Chase held his cool during this summary, because there's several lines that are not jokes. They're just they're just plot points and summaries. Uh like the prophet centaur uh, is is a great line. Uh, big fan of that one. Um, the centaur is great. The, the court lady, lady of the court is great. Yeah, there was several things where I was like, "Man, good work on Chase for not breaking." You do great in SNL uh, because that was a uh, the, the just the phrase prophet centaur uh, makes me giggle, and we'll get to that more. Uh, I mean, I would watch that spinoff. <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah. You know, it is it it is what it is. But we return to uh, Heimdall the Hermit, just watching everyone being a creeper. Uh, lets everyone know because you know, if you remember from our previous podcasts, the other people didn't know, like Erevis and Brian when they did not know if Shasta was alive or not, and the Hermit was not very quick to let them know uh, what the result of his you know battle was. And they're like, oh yeah, BT Dubs, Shasta's not dead. Uh, he's not even seriously wounded. I saw him got like get up, and now he's like you know hanging out and hugging King King Dad over here. I mean, sorry, King Loon. Uh, King Dad loves this guy. I don't know why. King Dad, big fan of uh, Shastakor, uh, and so Shastakor is that the Nova Corps? Yes, uh, it's uh, it's where Shasta uh, gets in a bunch of small, uh, you know, like rocket ships, but he doesn't. He's he's never learned how to ride one because he's poor. Uh, and so he crashes it into Ronan the Accuser. But because he has royal blood, he could probably hold the Power Stone for like 10 seconds without dying. Probably. Probably. But that's just that's just the way of things in Archenland, you know. But uh, so the Hermit, uh, he, you know, takes them back and he's like, all right, cool. Everything's chill. Uh, you know, y'all can chill here for a little bit. Do your thing. Uh, and, you know, everyone like it's. This is like I think Quinn's best chapter, but even in her best chapter, she still only gets like four lines. Yeah, as always, Quinn is just there. She's, She's there. there, but like, and yeah, she it gets acknowledged later on, and we'll get there that she's there. But yeah, her she she got robbed by this book. Let's be yeah. Real. Like, this one, C.S. It, Lewis did not do any work for the fourth character. He was nah. just like, there needs to be a lady horse, but we don't have to give her a personality. We just got to have a lady horse. For but like her so. personality, the small parts of it that we get, we love Quinn. Quinn's great because she's, she's like, great. She she's should like, be the moral center of the group. Yeah. She, she starts should be the Hermione. Yeah. She, she should be, but she's not. Uh, so she, because she starts things she off because everyone just laughs. We, uh, we're just lounge like everyone's just lounging around, and Quinn goes, "I've had enough of this. Like I'm eating too much. I'm just getting like you know fat as a pet pony. Like we need to like I need to walk around. We need to get to Narnia. That's our whole goal." And like Bree is like, oh, "I don't know. This is so comfortable. Maybe another day." Yeah, Bree's real lazy. Bree's so lazy, man. It's crazy. And uh, they say later that it's about his tail, but I don't think it's about his tail. I think he just likes being fed and not having to work. I mean, it's, it's the continuation true. of the last couple chapters where he didn't want to run as hard. Like, basically, once he got out of Callerman, he just kind of gave up on having to work and be, yeah. be a thing, be a horse. Yeah. But... You know, whatevs. So he's like, ah, I'm too lazy. And then Iris is like, no, no, we need to go find Shasta and like say goodbye to him. And 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 also, you know, um, maybe um, apologize, question mark. Uh, and like, 
Bree's like, oh yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. He says as he's lounging on the on the ground eating, you know, goat milk oats and uh and all the things. And uh and Quinn's like, well, he's in Anvard, which is on the way, so let's go. And I just like, sure Bree in this situation, like my dog, when he goes and lays down fully on his side next to his bowl and is like just kind of dipping his face over the bowl to try to get the food, but you know those uh, up or move to actually get to it. You know those automatic dog feeders that like you they you don't you just like they with motion you can train your dog to like eat when they need to eat kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it but in reality, what ends up happening is dogs just kind of lay in front of it and then like move their face and swipe in and get more food. Yeah, That's dogs get diabetes that way. Correct. My dog does not have the self-control to uh to do that. No, a dog has self-control with food. Like I mean the dog doesn't even have self-control with his bladder yet. So he's uh we've got other things to work on before giving him full access to food. Yeah. Yeah, self-control, man. That's one of the fruits of the spirit. You're gonna have to make sure your dog uh kind of bucks up a little bit. Um if he's willing to get eaten by a lion, I think he'll get the Holy Spirit. I th- that's how this works, I think, according to this book. Uh, but uh, so eventually after, you know, they're they're like coming con- back and forth and they're like, why is Bree being so weird? And then Quinn, again, breaking in with the great stuff. She's, you know, laughing and she goes, oh, my goodness, Bree, this isn't about you being like tired or hungry. Like you are just embarrassed about your tail. Like. You're you're just you want to enter society with a properly grown tail, and like <laughs> Bree is like, well, you know, I just have respect for myself, and you know, I'm a proper horse by the lion's mane. What was that phrase? What was it, Chase? By the by the whose mane? Why do you keep swearing by this lion? What is this lion? Who who be this lion? Uh, I mean, yeah. it's honestly, it's it's a great question. It's one we asked earlier in these podcasts, you know, why he's swearing by the lion's mane. And uh, even though he's never met Aslan, it does not know clearly a lot about Aslan because this yeah. following conversation, like he goes, you know, well, I speak of like, of course, I'm afraid of lions, but I speak of the lion who is is Aslan. He's the deliverer of Narnia. Uh, he drove away the witch in the winter, but he's not like a real lion. Like he's, uh, you know, he's a metaphorical lion. Uh, you know, all the things that you did, like, you know, as a human, if you did them with braveness, you did them for a lion kind of thing. Yeah. Being a lion is just like being real strong and having an awesome head of hair and stuff. Yeah, and eating people. Wait, <laughs> hold on. Did I read my notes right there? Uh, no, uh, it does so, come like, up like the next page. Yeah, and and it's like he starts like talking down to Quinn and Erebus, and is like, "You just wouldn't understand. It's a it's a noble Narnian thing." And then everyone gets real quiet, and uh, this is real like I get real like Disney Channel vibes for this, where it's like someone's talking about the bully or someone's talking about a celebrity who's like guest starring in the show. Uh, and like, they'll be like, I could totally dunk on Shaq. And then like the, the crowd starts going, Whoa! cause Shaq walks in at that very moment from behind the screen. Uh, and like, then like he bumps into the back of Shaq and he's like, he's right behind me, isn't he? Uh, and he turns around and it's Shaq. Um, that's, that's the vibes I get from this. Yeah, this is this is Harry Potter book five. Voldemort could never get into the ministry, can I, Potter? <laughs> That's what a great what a great scene. I'm a big fan. Uh, you, how long was Voldemort waiting there? Oh, he so was he standing could, behind the column for like two hours. Just be like, people I, were running around with baby heads down below, but he's just sitting there. Any minute now. Any minute, someone will say Voldemort, and then I will burst forth. I know that this is going to take a long time, Potter, but dramatic entrances are always worth it. See, I can't tell if that's a Dumbledore Voldemort impression. <laughs> that's that's book. That's movie one, Dumbledore. Right movie there. one, Dumbledore. 
book se- or movie seven in the in the forest Dumble or Voldemort. So take your pick. Uh, <laughs> Harry Potter, the boy who lived, come to get his tail back. Wait, hold on. Notes are mixing up again. Shoot, my bad. Uh, but tail bags? I missed that. You know, uh, now we. I don't think he does. Uh, all this. No, I, uh, so he. All this is a Bree. Uh, he feels the whiskers of Aslan brushing up against the back of his head because Aslan had entered and Quinn and Aaron. I will point out second time in this book that Aslan has put his face so close to someone unsuspecting that his whiskers, uh, Kel's face is very close to the camera now, uh, that his whiskers brush up against their face. And I just think that Aslan needs to start thinking about some personal space issues. Uh, Aslan's about to get me too. Yeah, this is 2021. He's not even running for president. He should not be putting his face (laughs) that close to other people's faces. There you go. That's a... You can move past that. We're going to move past it. But so Wynn and Erevis are terrified. They can't say anything. Uh, But they just, because they're seeing the biggest, most beautiful lion they've ever seen. And it's just slowly approaching them. It's just walking toward them, chill in this little cave. Um, And Bree just continues to talk. uh, And he's like, well, you know, it's not a real lion. It's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a metaphorical lion. He's not a real beast. And if he would have, if he was a lion, he'd have an, oh, 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 oh." Uh, and because he feels the whiskers. That's, that was my impression of, of how this, you know, because with all of our little sounds, C.S. Lewis writes them out. Like, this one is who 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 is what's a i e o o h h o o h o o that is the sound help, <laughs> help. <laughs> but uh so he freaks out and he jumps across the room uh and he sees he sees Aslan and he's freaking out and then when again th- she doesn't get a lot more in this book but so we're going to enjoy it while it lasts Quinn, though shaking all over, gave a strange little neigh and trotted across to the lion and says, please, you're so beautiful. You may eat me if you'd like. I'd sooner be eaten by you than fed by anyone else. And I think this is supposed to be like a really beautiful, sweet, like Christ-like metaphor where it's like better is a day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. Like better is, you know, being eaten by Aslan than staying alive and eating grass it i mean there's plenty of jokes that could be made about this phrase rather than make them i'll just say the beautiful side of this would be translated into the the faith the christian part of it the version of it where it's looking at god and saying i would rather be consumed by you then seek after anything else I could seek after. That's the idea that's being gone for here. But, uh, but yeah, I'd sooner be eaten by you than fed by anyone else is a line that someone wrote and published. Indeed. He, had, he has a lot of these lines in this chapter, especially that you're like, man, you wrote that you did. Okay. And we're just going to move past it. Um, but so Aslan, here's here's this declaration of faith from Mary Magdalene when uh, Mary Magdalene, uh, yes, uh, and goes, dearest daughter, and he you know kisses her on the on her little twitching velvet nose, uh, and he says, I knew you would not be long in coming to me. Joy shall be yours. Uh, you know, real sweet, real beautiful moment. And we're done with Win. Uh, yeah. yeah, this is the thing that's infuriating about Quinn's character is that she is the only one in the situation who's right. She's the only one in the situation who has the correct response to Aslan, who isn't there to like basically be told, I told you so, or like clean your act up, which I mean, there's, there's questions about the theology there anyways, but like essentially what Aslan says is, Oh, dearest daughter Quinn, you truly were there the entire time, weren't you? <laughs> you now were you. <laughs> like she's the one who didn't really need a redemption arc. She 
like her growth was talking more. And yeah. by talking more, we mean going from like Crab and Goyle to a side character, at least, uh, where it's like, okay, you got a few friends by the end of it. Becomes vocal enough to say, we should keep moving. And that's her entire growth arc. She's no longer afraid to say something to Brie. Yeah. She's just the transportation that Erebus used to get to Archenland. That was her purpose in this story. Which, if that was her purpose, I think it would have been more interesting to not have a talking horse. That'd be. It would have been a better story for them to try to figure out how to have Bree do life next to a non talking horse, but still honor him as a talking horse. If that was the way he was going to go, rather than give a two, like one and a half dimensional uh, female character. Yeah, fair enough, man. But as you said, we're going to move on to Bree because that's what Aslan does immediately. Um, And so uh, we open with this chapter quote, and this chapter is titled How Bree Became a Wiser Horse. And this is where his like wisdom, I guess, begins. But I don't really know if it's accomplished. Like, I think C.S. Lewis thinks that he accomplished it. But I like, don't even know if he thinks that he accomplished it because the last line of this chapter is, well, Bree didn't really change. Anyways, yeah. like that is, that's how this chapter ends and we'll get there. But yeah, it's, saying, <clears throat> he doesn't really become wiser. He just learns that sometimes when he says things, the person you're talking about hears you. If and anything, that feels bad. Yeah. If anything, he's not learning wisdom. He's learning like humility, which is a part of wisdom for sure. But like, it's even then, it's not like he, he never has the really like heel turn moment that Erevis does when she's like apologizing to Core later. He's, she, he, Bree is just kind of like, oh man, I feel bad about myself now. But like, cause basically, Aslan, what he does is he has the doubting Thomas moment where he goes, feels the holes in my in my paws. I mean, feel my paws uh, and touch my whiskers. Let you know that I am real. I am he. I am. I am lion. I'm Catslan. Am Catslan. Yeah. I I'm interested in your thoughts on this, and I know that this is an out of nowhere question. So if you need me to vamp, I can. do you think that there's a difference between humility and humiliation? Uh, absolutely. I think they can be related for sure. Um, I think humiliation can lead to humility, but I think there's also like the, um, I think there's the, the intent of those things where it's like recognizing your own lowness in a good way versus being forced to recognize your own lowness kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think it comes down to the experience of shame. It's it's yeah. not, ha, ha, have you been course corrected in your view of yourself? It's, do you feel ashamed to be yourself? One is humiliation, the other is humility. And yeah. a proper view of yourself is what we would call humility. And it doesn't really seem that Bree has gotten that here. It seems like he's just been <clears throat> shamed for having been Bree and... The real thing would be to say, hey, Bree, look upon the world and all the horses in it. You are one of those horses and you are well-loved, but also you are one of those horses. Yeah. Let's move on. Yeah. Because this really is the only thing that Bree deals with, that Bree even is a part of until the end of the chapter when he's considering rolling around in the grass because he doesn't know if that's what horses in Narnia do. This is really his only moment. And it's Aslan just being like, hey, I'm actually a talking animal. I'm a beast like you, which is like comforting. It's the like, oh, we have a Lord and Savior who is like us. But this isn't. It's the Hippocratic Union. It's the Hippocratic Union. And but like we don't we don't get any like what what where is the wisdom that Bree is learning? But like show me that he's learning these things like. Show me that he is recognizing his place in the world. Show me that he's growing. Like, I don't, it's weird to me. Um, I I still don't, I don't understand his character arc here because that's, that's where it ends. Cause Aslan immediately then goes to Erebus and Erebus does 
get some like some actual recognition. Like Aslan says, this is what you did. This was why I did what I did. Now we'll talk about that in a second. But we do, we did see like two pages ago, Erevis turn to the crowd and say, hey, we probably need to go apologize to Shasta. And that was before Aslan confronted her. That's before that she got explained why she got attacked that before, before Shasta becomes hot prince corin or hot prince yeah. core yeah before shasta can take off his glasses in the 80s movie and be revealed to be a prince it's yeah shakes his mane in the wind but this is all we get for brie and the chapter's called how brie became a wiser horse I, like we've joked about it i don't think he is a good namer uh i don't think c.s lewis is a good titler uh, of I mean, we can talk about names and how good or bad C.S. Lewis is at names in general. Yeah. Just kidding. Yeah, I, mean, I think the chapter titles, they, it feels like someone went in after the fact and was like, just very briefly skimmed each chapter and said, okay, what's something we can pull out to, to try right. to make this thing a thing. See, but like for me, I would, I would put this, more this is a this is an Erevis chapter and this is an Erevis and core chapter this isn't a brie chapter like the way that it was written and like then this brings up to the fact like the horse and his boy is the title of this book we didn't really get a lot of horse and boy like we got it at the very beginning a little bit uh but then they immediately join with Erevis and Huyn and there's never like heart to hearts between Bree and and Shasta core like and even after this there's not so it's like even the title of this book like I like the title of this book it just doesn't fit the book this would be a great title of a book for a different story well you know Cal the only people that matter are men and therefore the only people who can be addressed in the title of the book <laughs> oof I'm glad that uh, you know you're in an office with without any women in your in your personal office right now, and that you know my wife is in the other room because there's no way that 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 statement is made even in jest uh, <laughs> without some kind of ramification. Now I'm with you. Fair, I only make statements like that in, in complete sarcasm. Yeah. We 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 need to know. We need like listeners to know. Like we do not believe that. But yeah, this, this is it's actually a it's it's why I keep complaining about Quinn's character. Yes, it's not on Quinn. It's on C.S. Lewis for not writing female-centered storylines. Correct. They don't even have to be the only or primary character. They just need more credit for the role they play in the book. Sure. And like. In all honesty, C.S. Lewis is not the only author who has problems with this. There are many. Like his good friend, Mr. J.R.R. Tolkien, who I would challenge you to name four characters who are female in The Lord of the Rings. Cal, 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 Cal. There are. I could. There there are no female hobbits or dwarves. Those are... I don't know any... Self-reproducing species. Female, the joke in Lord of the Rings about female dwarves is that you never see them because they may or may not look like male dwarves. Uh, and hence they're like the the joke becomes like, oh, like maybe dwarves just come from the rocks, which they did originally. But that's another nerd. If you live in a world where rocks are just eggs and then dwarves burst out of which that is how the dwarves came about in Narnia as well. Uh, yeah, yeah there's a lot of a uh, lot yeah. of dabbling in both with there, but we move on to Erebus, uh, and Aslan says, "All right, like Erebus, you come close as well. Now you can see my paws are velveted, which, if you don't know, that's when a cat, like its retractable claws, are pulled back into its paw. So he's like, "Hey, look at my paw. It's soft. It's chill. Uh, that way, when she gets her face real close." <laughs> He boxes her in the face again. Uh, and he goes, I will not, I will not tear you. Uh, you will not be torn this time. And she goes, This time, sir? And he goes, Oh yeah, it was I who wounded you. I'm the only lion you met in all your journey journeys. Do you know why I tore you? And she's like, No, sir. And she goes, Just to be fair, how could she? 
How would she know? Not um, only did she not know who Aslan was or that it was Aslan, she doesn't also, know what's away from her. There, look, not to talk about training my dog twice in one episode, but when you're training a dog and you want them to learn a lesson, you need to connect the punishment or reward to the behavior you're trying to train. Yeah. There is nothing about her running away toward the hermit's enclave to suggest that that is in any way related to her servant girl who Aslan goes on to say, this is why I I cut you. Yes. So basically what Aslan says is, Hey, remember when you, you know, drugged your stepmom's servant girl, like so that you could escape. Well, she received 10 lashes for that. So I cut you 10 times on your back because you needed to know what it felt like, Um, which, okay, I guess an eye for an eye, but also that's not Jesus said, you've heard an eye for an eye. I tell you, if someone strikes you on the cheek, turn to them, your other one. Yeah. This is weird. This doesn't seem like Jesus justice here. It's, it's not, it's, I don't even know what to call it because this is something we've talked about like here and there as we've kind of gotten towards this point in the book. Like this is the weird retributive justice version of Aslan that doesn't really line up with the Bible that also makes us question some of C.S. Lewis's theology and what he's trying to get across here. Because this is karma. This is not correct. This is not mercy. This is not justice. Even this is just well. What goes around comes around. You hit your brother, so now your brother gets to hit you. Like that's not parenting. No. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's it's a weird. It's a weird thing, and like you said, we've been alluding to this for a while because it's weird because it doesn't track like especially you know it, it it's one thing to be like like i i i assume that c.s lewis is trying to be like hey there are consequences for your action you need to you know be able to empathize with people which is like yeah for sure there are consequences that you should empathize with people but the way that this should have come about is like she should have learned that her actions like resulted in this thing and she should have approached this person for repentance for reconciliation or yeah. you know something not like hey like you didn't know about this thing so i'm gonna scratch you on the back like because if this is the case why trust aslan like yeah what about every other time that you've ever done anything in your life like she made fun of uh of shastakor a lot does aslan now just get to roast on her and pick out about all of her insecurities for like 40 minutes yeah, like this maybe. is this is the critique of a lot of the way that the Christian gospel has been <clears throat> reached over the years. That it always gets framed as you need to turn to Jesus because otherwise he'll burn you up in hell. And like that view of God is not the way that it's ever presented in the Bible. Sure, there there are things to discuss about the existence of hell and and what happens if you don't turn to Jesus, but it's never framed as a, if you don't, I'll hurt you. It's framed as a, come to me because I'm better. And yeah. That's a big difference when you're talking about someone's character and, and whether or not someone is trustworthy. Right. I, I think the better version of this point in the story would be, Aslan leading them over to the pool and saying, daughter, look into the pool. Right. See see the human carnage you've left along the way. And she sees the servant girl being punished for her actions. She sees Lazaroline facing the consequences for breaking into the Tisrock's palace. Like she sees the consequences of her actions in the places where she's treated people as lesser than her. And then mm-hmm. that's what turns her heart to say something like, well, will any more harm come to her by what I did? 
which is her clear sign of growth that she actually cares that something happened to this girl when previously, like if you remember very far, 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 far back early in the book before any of this existed, uh, she said, well, who cares what happens to her? And so her growth is going from who cares what happens to her to will any more harm come to her? But there's ways to get to that without this. Without the weird retributive justice that Aslan brings. Yeah. So we've, I think we've, we've talked about that enough, but it's just all that to say, it's a weird, it's a weird point that we don't like, Uh, but we, we immediately move on. And when she asks like, Hey, will any more harm come to her by what I did? And Aslan immediately pulls the exact same card he did on Shastakor. And he goes, that's not your story. Don't oh, ask about it. <laughs> and she, it was just like, like, why? Like, why is this a big deal to Aslan? Like, don't, like, this is why the like, means call him a demon. This is why, like, when this is like when people are like, oh man, you wouldn't believe what happened the other day. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, what happened the other day? I'm not going to tell you. I can't tell you what happened the other day. Like, it's like, okay, why would, you, all this stuff? why would you bring it up then? Like, don't tell me that you have a secret unless you're going to tell me, it. you know, like it's a, it's kind of one of those moments. So he goes, don't ask about it. Uh, and then he, again, like this is C.S. Lewis making sure that we know that Aslan is the master of the Irish goodbye. Cause he goes, all right, be merry little ones. We'll meet again soon. But before that, you're going to have another visitor <laughs> gone. There's just light, uh, and uh, it's she, he's just poofed, gone. Uh, but yeah, you know. and the weirdest part of it to me is that it turns directly from "Don't ask about her." Well, y'all have a great day. I'll uh, see you later. Also, someone's coming to see you. Well, bye. And then just jumps over a wall, and then he's gone. Uh, and then uh, so they're chilling for a little bit. And then, uh, who's there? Uh, it's His Royal Highness Prince Kor of Archenland. I wonder who that could be, Chase. Uh, back. Oh, a prince. A prince. Whew. Like, let me, you know, don myself up real quick. Um, and then, like, I love the clues that we're getting here. Because last we left, you know, Shasta, he was being hugged by King Dad. Uh, and he'd been like, if there wasn't proof, there is now, right? And like everyone, like Shasta's like, what? Uh, and so now we see the prince and the prince uh, bows and it's a really clumsy bow uh, for a prince. And <clears throat> it's like, she's, uh, he doesn't look very princely. And Erevis looks up and it's just a mere boy. Uh, and he was bareheaded and, uh, you know, he is, he's got a bandaged hand and, uh, oh shoot, it's Shasta. What? Chase, this is a, this is a big deal. We did not see this coming. Uh, man, who could have thought that Shasta would be in any way related to Corin or the king? That's, this is just out of nowhere. I really wish C.S. Lewis had walked us through step by step how this happened earlier. Step by step, ooh, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is the fulfillment of the first chapter, basically. Whenever we figure out that, like, Shasta is not actually what 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 was his name? Er, the Arshish. Uh, Arshish. Arshish. He's not actually his son. Uh, like, it's like this is the fulfillment of this moment. Um, they because he goes like, oh yeah, like it's it's me. And Erebus is, he's like, well, you know, he's talking to Erebus. He's like, I hope you didn't, you don't think that I like got dressed up like this just to impress you. Cause you know, I'd rather be in my old clothes, but my father said, he's like, she's like your father question mark. Um, and he's like, oh yeah, apparently King dad or King Loon is my dad. Uh, and uh, that's uh, so I guess I'm a prince. Um, and my name is actually Kor, not Shasta because that's how names are in Archon land. Can I just read this line real quick? Yep. Uh, yeah, so I'll even back up a little bit because I think what she says is also ridiculous. So Shasta says, we're twins, you see? Oh, and my name isn't Shasta, it's Kor. Kor is a nicer name than Shasta, said Erebus. Mother's names run like that in Archon land, said Shasta, or Prince Kor, as we must now call him. Like Dare and Darren. Cole in colon and so on. 
Do you remember when we made this joke like a podcast or two ago? Yeah. And it was dumb then. It was dumb. And then it turns out that was the exact reasoning. Uh, Like I was being stupid. And it turns out that's exactly what they were doing. So apparently in this world, there are only twin boys. There's a lot. And they all have the same name just in case one of them dies. And one of them gets a much cooler version. Like Corin, cool name. Cor, stupid. Yeah, Cor is not a nicer name than Shasta, which is the other part of that. Shasta's dope. It makes me feel like I'm in Jamaica and I like it. Uh, Which is... Is this the dumbest name so far in the series? Or, I mean, is it worse than Fledge? I don't think it's worse than Fledge. Is it it worse than Grumble Muffin? I'm still full grumble, so <laughs> yeah. Um, it, but every book has to have a very out of nowhere weird name. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if Cor is worse than his cousin Colin, like the body part. <laughs> I mean, it could be Colin, but but considering his brother's name is Cole, the the naming convention says it's got to be Colin. It's Colin. <laughs> it's it's. For sure, Colin. And so, you know, hope he's regular. Uh, but, you know, so uh, then it's really funny. Erevis has this interaction right after. He goes, yeah, like all the brothers are named this way in Archenland. And she goes, Shasta. I mean, Kor. No, shut up. Uh, this is a very, like, Regina George moment where she's, like, just using shut up as a, like, as a filler. Where she's like, no, shut up. There's something I've got to say at once. I'm sorry, I've been such a pig. Where it's like, it's funny that she tells him to shut up and then like apologizes or it's okay, whatever, uh, you know, get to your thing. But she's, I'm sorry, I've been such a pig, but I did change before I knew you were a prince. Honestly, I did. That was the reason C.S. Lewis wrote that I said I should apologize earlier in this book is so that I didn't look like a, like a gold digger in this chapter. I mean, she still kind of does. She does not have to stop and think about it when they invite her to the castle. I don't know. She's she's ready. She's for sure. Like, oh yeah, I'm in. Like, the second she heard the word prince, she was the only lady in court. Color me there, Uh, and so she she's like, honestly, I did. Like when you went back and and faced the lion, swoon, uh, and of course, like it wasn't really gonna kill you, you know. And she's like, oh, I know. And then they're like, ah, there's this silent understanding. And for a moment, they both knew that the other also knew about Aslan. Yeah, which the just quiet movie moment of, and they both looked at each other, and they knew by the look in the other's eye that they had seen him too. Like that... Yeah, well, you know, when you when you come face to face with Catlin, you have that aura, that glow about you, just like Moses. So it tracks. I mean, aura, blood streaking down your back, same thing, same thing. Yeah, uh, no, it works. Um, but then Eris, oh yeah, you were in battle. How was that? It sounds awesome. Uh, and uh, or she goes, like, is that a wound? Um, and he's like, oh, just a scratch. And like using his for the first time a lordly tone. Oh, uh, and scratch, my dear girl. <laughs> uh, and then she goes, Still, you were in battle. It must have been wonderful. And then Kor's like, It wasn't at all what I thought. Like, I, I like these little interjections here, these like little couplets of dialogue between Erebus, because there's another one later where it's like, Hey, the things that you think are really glorious and cool aren't exactly what you think you shouldn't like desire these things um and then but then shastakor uh gets asked by erevis about to tell his his life story like hey how how did you know that king loon is your dad and like how did king loon find out and this is where we get our really long story where it's it's a long story so i'm i'm just going to paraphrase this i don't even think it's worth yeah i don't think it's worth reading through it's just ridiculous and we it know about most a of third it. to two-thirds of it. It's just yeah. the details that we gain are wild. Yeah. So he starts off by letting us know that this is a positive comment, I guess. He goes, oh, yeah, before I even start, let you know, 
My father, the king, is an absolute brick. I guess that's a compliment because he's like, I would be just as brick. Thanks, bro. Like, I would take this as like an insult. Like, hey, you're dumb as rock. That like sounds like right. an insult. It sounds like making fun of someone's appearance or their intelligence. Yeah. They're, there's you're, no you're either, break is you're either like really stocky and sturdy or you're dumb. Probably both. Uh, I got this stocky is, and sturdy from our earlier descriptions of the king. But that's true. But so he goes, yeah, he's a brick. I'd be just as pleased uh, if, you know, or very nearly <laughs> at finding out he was my father, even if he wasn't a king. Uh, but then he's like, but then I'm an, I, like, I've got to go through all these horrible things like education. Gosh. You're, poor can core. We, can we just all agree that children don't need to learn history or like C.S. Lewis is a teacher. Like, why is he dunking on education so much here? School, am I right, kids? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. But then, so here's the story. So basically, uh, Corin and Cor are born. They're twins. And a wise old prophet centaur, uh, as you know, uh, you may not have met any centaur prophets, but there's a good many. You know, prophet, priest, king uh, in Narnia is centaur, priest, king. Everyone knows this. And so uh, this centaur prophet comes and sees the twins uh, and uh, says that, hey, this one is going, there's going to come a day when he's going to save Archerland from the deadliest, uh, you know, danger that they'll ever see. And then there's this other guy uh, who is, you know, basically a lord in the court uh, of King Loon, uh, who's been bezzling, which we can take to mean embezzling uh, money from uh, Archenland into the pockets of the Tisrock. May he live forever. Uh, and he like start. So he's taking all these money and, and he gets kicked out. But before he, you know, leaves me because even for embezzling money to art to uh, Calamine, he's not executed or, you know, put in prison. He just decided to, he just let go free. And then he kidnaps Kor because he knows that he's going to, you know, save Archenland from danger. So he kidnaps him uh, and, you know, they start chasing after him and on their way to uh, chase him, like six days later, uh, you know, there is a great sea fight, uh, a battle on the open seas. Uh, and then like everyone dies except for one knight uh, who takes little Kor in a boat and finds Arshish uh, and Arshish picks him up. But that was after as like, you know, that's after Aslan paddled him the rest of the way to make sure that he got there. And the knight must have been so brave that he, you know, starved himself so that the baby could live. That's a summary. And that was still too long. Yeah, that it's too many pages. And it's too many pages. And again, we knew most of it. We knew half of it, at least. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. Either way, it's they make a weird joke about how they wish that they knew whether or not the knight starved himself to death. And then Erebus makes a joke. Well, I suppose Aslan would say that's part of someone else's story. Am I right? But uh, And they're like, ah, good one, Aslan. That's Aslan humor. Uh, and then, then Erebus doesn't realize that he's already fulfilled the prophecy because how could she realize that even though he's literally just said it? But yeah, so it turns out Kor slash Shasta slash whatever he is. Shasta Kor. Yeah, Shasta Kor has already fulfilled the prophecy by, you know, saving Archenland, the thing that the prophecy was. Um, and then, yeah, he turns and is basically like, oh, by the way, you'll be living in Anvard now. Anvard is his castle. And, uh, oh, no. Erevin, my bad. I got confused. Erevin hey, hey. said, oh, yeah, you'll be living in a castle now. That's cool. Ha, ha, ha. And then Kor's like, oh, I almost forgot. Father wants you to come live with us. There's hasn't been any ladies in the court. I don't know why they call it a court. But since Mother died, do, Erevin, you'll like my dad. Like, what, what's your take here, Kel? So, all right, first 
before we even get to that. So like, you know, they talk about the prophecy and she goes, don't you feel proud? And he goes, I think I feel a bit scared. And this is, again, it goes back to the like, battle's wonderful. No, it's kind of gruesome. It's like kind of that. And then we get to the core being like, oh yeah, like dad wants you to come live with us in the castle. Uh, there hasn't been a lady in the court since his mother died. What about, are there no wives of all of these people? Are there no daughters that have been born As from any established, the only people born in Archenland are twin boys. <laughs> twin boys with stupid names. Twin uh, boys with a weird naming convention. There are no female, there are no women in the Archenland. Chase and his twin brother, Chasen. Kellen is actually a word. Kel is probably the weird one in that situation. That's a bummer for me. Uh, but I heard, heard uh, Chasen is adopting a, a child soon. But uh, anyways, that's a that's an actual news item that we're not going to talk about on this podcast. But uh, but uh, so it's yeah. Where are all the girls, man? Where are all, like you're telling me no girl has been born like in the court? No one has taken a wife. Like no one of the lords hasn't like is is Corin up until this moment where Cor has joined the court like is he the only like teenager or, like the only kid who's been produced in the recent like like the past like fifteen years I think so like that that's kind of the gist I get it also begs right. the question where did their mom come from like what country or place or wherever did she come from does the archenland have any females is it an all-male society kind of like the amazons but worse yeah that that society has to be crumbling right <laughs> it's gotta be terrible it's just guys it's so dirty and like they're just fighting all the time oh man mark driscoll would love but this place <laughs> Classic. Uh, but she's she's like, hey, like, come on, you'll love my dad and my brother. They're they've been properly brought up, not like me. Like, you needn't be afraid. And he's like, she's like, oh, stop that, or we'll have a real fight. Uh, which, you know, could lead to, you know, marriage, depending. Uh who knows? next chapter. DVD on that. Uh, and then she's like, all right, let's go see the horses. And this, like, this is what marks like, I don't I don't think Quinn. I'm not sure about the next chapter. I don't think she has another line of dialogue the whole time. And I think it's just things like Brian Wynn, we're doing this. Brian Wynn decided to go this way. Like, yeah, she's this not is it. centered as a character. It's the problem. Right. Yeah. And so she has they, one more line in the book. She has one more line. Okay. I think, I think it's just this one. Good to know. But uh, so they say hi to, you know, Brian Wynn, and then they head out the following day and they, you know, say goodbye to, to Heimdall Hermit. Uh, they, they peace out. And then, uh, you know, as they're making their way up to the castle breeze, like, Oh shoot. Like, I really want to roll around. Like I I'm, I'm afraid that I don't know a lot of Narnian horse customs. And like, what if I look like an idiot and I, you know, starts getting really self-conscious um, and then core like Shastakor is like, Hey, you know, it could be way worse. Like for me, I'm a guy at the worst. I've got to get educated. And it's like another shot at the school system. Uh, and then like Breeze, like repeating their previous conversation was like, but do ho do talking horses roll? Like supposing they don't, I can't bear to give it up. What do you think when you're right? Here's her line. Uh, and she goes, I'm going to roll anyway. I don't suppose any of them will care two lumps of sugar, whether you roll or not, you go when you be, you be a like independent woman who don't need no horse uh, roll on. Uh, and they're like, well, we're almost near the castle. And Bree's like, well, you know what? I'm going to roll anyway because it could be my last roll. And he rolls around on the grass for like five minutes. Uh, that's a long roll. It's a very long roll. And also, it still doesn't show him having any character growth. He Where still only cares about what people think of him and wants to be like, quote unquote, good, proper, high society. Like he There's, hasn't no. changed. No, it's it's not great. But then he's like, all right, cool. I'm ready for Narnia in the North. Lead on, Prince Kor. And 
He looked like he was going to a funeral, then a long lost captive returning home and freedom. That's so sad. And like very sad. We don't have nothing because we're running pretty long on this one. Does that mean that Brie is not saved in this situation, in this metaphor? Maybe man, like, well, and it's the thing where it's like, he doesn't really get like in the next chapter, there is no moment where he like, there is more redemption for him. It just says that like at the end of the next chapter, it's like, Hey, like, he went to Narnia and he was happy, and then he came back and visited a lot. Yeah, he went on and got married. Thankfully, not to Quinn. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's all that happened. Yeah, it's it's a weird arc for him. I it's it feels cut man. off and yeah. like the horse and his boy is only about the boy, but yeah, that's what it is, Cal. That is the last line of this book. Is that really sad? Going to a funeral, not returning home in freedom. Last one of this chapter. Last one. Not the book, thankfully. But um, but yeah. Chase, do you have anything else before we dive further up and further in? I think that's it. All right. You want to start us off then? Sure. Uh, my further up and further in is about the idea of uh, the moral of the story. And so this is a classic children's book in fairy tale trope. Uh, you have to make sure that the reader picked up on the lesson that you were trying to get across. And the best way to do that is to spell it out for them. Think of the end of The Wizard of Oz, where all these characters had problems that they were wanting the wizard to solve, but then they finally get to him and he tells them, well, you actually found what you were looking for along the way. Uh, so Bree and Erebus both had pride issues to deal with. And so Aslan shows up to tell them what they needed to learn for Bree. It's that he thinks he knows more than everyone for Erebus. It's that she doesn't see much value in those who are socially below her for both of them. The journey of the book brought out and hopefully softened more so for Erebus than for Bree, but softened those faults. And now Aslan shows up to drive the message home. For a story to be compelling, you need to have your characters grow. And whether or not that's true for Bree seems questionable, but Wynne's moral is that she was good the whole time. So here we are. I didn't write the book, but this is kind of the moral of the story chapter. And so yeah, that's yeah. Kind of there you go. My, uh, my further up and further in is Pride and Prejudice. Uh, and basically, this is just an excuse for me to talk about a book that I really enjoy. And that's Pride and Prejudice. Uh, I'm just kidding. I also like these books. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but in essence, if you've never read Pride and Prejudice, spoiler alert, basically what it is about is um, it is a, a, a man with pride and, and a girl who is, is prejudiced. Uh, or no, wait. No, it's the girl who's proud and the guy. Maybe there's a little bit of both with both of them. Basically, they don't like each other at first. It's a guy who's super rich and a girl who's not. Uh, and they hate each other until they fall in love. Um, which is going to be really interesting as we go into the next chapter. But basically, a big theme throughout this book is dealing with personal pride and personal prejudices that you have built up. So with Erebus, she's getting rid of her pride, thinking she's better than everyone and thinking that, you know, people are beneath her and that she, you know, people uh, are a certain way because they, you know, aren't, you know, inherently valuable. She realizes that people are valuable, actually, and it's great, especially when they become a king uh, of Archenland. It's super dope. Uh, they have a lot of value there. Um, you know, Bree theoretically learns to deal with his pride. Um, you know, hopefully it's an internal battle that we didn't really get to see, but it's this dealing with pride, this dealing with internal biases uh, and, and things you're, you're, that you're taking into story. And it's a really good um, lesson that you learn in a lot of fiction, a lot of literature is uh, the, the dealing with the, you know, pride and the, the, the patterns of behavior and the, you know, expectations and presumptions that you carried into, uh, you know, your interactions with people, that those things can be shifted and changed and brought into truth, into humility, into, uh, you know, seeing other people as valuable as well. Um, but that is all I got. Chase, our tails have been chopped off and all we want is to roll around in the grass for a little bit because we don't know when the next time we're going to be able to roll around is. And so before we end this podcast and enter into the gates of the Castle Anvard, can you let our listeners know how they can help support this podcast? If you want to roll around in it with us, uh, 
<laughs> go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, uh, Google Podcasts, really wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a rating and review. Five stars, please. It helps other people find the podcast. And yeah, also find us on Instagram at Chronicles of Podcasts, where we post when we post new episodes and also uh, make jokes about the book along the way. So feel free to go and engage with us there. But until then, you need not worry that we will ever try to educate you because we won't. We're going to leave you real dumb. Uh, So enjoy it. Until next time, peace out. Bye. I just have people showing up to my office and walking around the hallways and opening doors and whatnot. I'm like, is something going on? And I think it's just that people are here. Ah, people. He does. The guy who uh, just knocked realized I was on a call as he did it. I like, <laughs> I like to think that he probably assumed that you were like in a, like on a work call where you're like, oh, he's like, he's doing something big. He's not. No.